It's the last Friday of May and we are back with another episode of Meet the CEO. Prince Boni from Takaide, Ghana, talks to us about being a pioneer and changing perceptions in the tech space and why there needs to be a drastic change in the relationship between startups and commercial banks. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Adong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial and you can find me at Ruth Adong. Prince Bonnie has a myriad of companies he runs, from iCode to a company processing rubber waste. He describes himself as a business enthusiast who is keen to add value to his community through the use of technology. Meet Prince Bonnie, CEO of iCode. Who is Prince Bonnie? Prince or Bonnie Prince is, um, is I'd say, a passion-driven young entrepreneur from Ghana, born and raised in Takrade, the western region of Ghana. And I lived almost all my life currently now in Takrade. And um, I'm making some um, appreciable impact in Takrade as well. I, I hail from a tech background. That's my, that's my, um, my foundation. And entrepreneurship at a high level of education. Uh, so merging the two got me into these whole activities that I'm doing. Generally, I'm passionate about making impact in terms of knowledge transfer, learning and sharing of experiences. I happen to be the CEO of Bonnie Group of Companies. And under the group, I have about six subsidiaries. So we have iCode, which is very popular in, in, in Ghana and in Takradi as well. Obviously, that is where it's headquarters. It's a, I call it an innovation hub. So we train and groom young people and already existing, uh, but willing to start businesses. We train these people in the areas of entrepreneurship, business management, how they can scale, how they can grow their businesses, how they can raise funding. We also train people in tech. So any most of the technological skills within... Um, Globally, we, we train people on that. And then beyond trainings, we provide co-working space and private offices for young but small and growing businesses in, in the Western region. Yeah, That's But beyond, beyond iCode, um, I run a consultancy firm, um, which is called Bonnie Consult. And then um, I, have a, I have a farm as well. That's an agribusiness called Bonnie Farms. Um, currently, we're doing about three-acre um, coconut plantation. Uh, we're aiming to, you know, um, produce byproduct of coconut at the end of the the year, and then um, um, we also starting pigry under the Bonnie Farms activities as well. And then I have a a travel tech company as well. It's a transport. Basically, we deal in logistics, so we use tricycles to. Um, convey goods from one end to another. And then um, I have a venture firm called West Ace Capital. So we sort of focus in early stage businesses, startups, partic- um, practically startups. And then I have Rubberman, which mainly focuses on collection of rubber waste for recycling purposes. Yeah. So in a nutshell, that is um, Prince Bonnie for you. When and why was iCode established? So I started iCode back in, I think I was almost done with university education. I realized there were a lot of gaps 
and my, mainly mainly because I think I happened to be a teaching assistant as a level 200. That was very, very one of my achievements at the early stages of my life. Because in the Ghanaian setting, you'd normally have to complete the, sec- um, the university, complete your national service, and then apply back to the school for a teaching assistant position. And if they check your GPA, you know, you know, you are very brilliant or very good student, then they give you that position. And the lecturer would also have to express interest in that. But I happened to get that position at level 200. I did, I taught um, computer science, um, computer programming, microcomputer system applications. So out of doing that, passionately, I, I, worked, I really wanted to design softwares from scratch. That was how come I even got to the university and studied um, computer science. So coming out of the university, I realized most of my, my, my colleagues or my mates in the same class didn't really have practical experience when it comes to computer programming or computer software design. But I happened to learn from the University of YouTube to a level where I had to take the whole class during examination period, revision upon revision so that they, they get their hands on so that they can pass their exams. So coming out of that, you realize in my community as well, we had people who had interest in going to the university, but they didn't qualify mainly because there wasn't enough funding from their um, parent side to fund their university education. And I had interest in also sharing knowledge. So the plan was to set up a, a free class or a free community where someone can easily join and learn something. So ICODE is actually an abbreviation. I stands for innovative, C stands for community, O stands for off, and then D stands for developers, and then E stands for environment. So it's innovative community of developers environment. That's iCode. We set up iCode mainly for people to meet, learn, and build. By meeting, you meet people with like mind, people with like interests, similar passion, and similar goals. They learn from each other, they build ideas or they build innovative solutions for themselves. So that was how come I started iCode. We started without a space. So we ended up renting spaces for workshops. We had, we have a lot of workshops that we, we did at the early stages just to get the idea validated, just to get a community running for the people to see that yes, we wanted to teach people how to design softwares, how to learn tech skills, and then, um, you know, um, push them to be to, to a level where they can also get jobs because um, we realize the current trend of jobs opening re- requires that someone should have at least some sort of background in tech, should be able to at least operate a computer. And it wasn't, that skill was very expensive back in my community. So giving back to the community to that level, I, 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 I was very passionate towards that. So that was how come I started could. Um, I, I started with a group of friends of which, you know, just like the normal startup story, you know, you lose your friends and, you know, it's just you and then you have to struggle to make sure that you survive yeah. until we got some sponsorships from companies like MTN. And then we we also sort of um, had um, our early stage investor who also invested in our idea to get a, a, an office space where people literally came for workshops permanently. And then that is um, where we've grown from now 
So, so I believe that um, we have trained over a thousand of entrepreneurs from the Western region and Ghana at large. And we're still looking to do more as well. Currently, we have we have about three office spaces in the Western region, and then we have a branch in Kumasi, which is the Ashanti region as well. The Venture Capital Fund, was it set up informed by the work at iCode? We realized that at a certain point in time, we were creating a lot of startups, but some died out at the early stage. Some died immediately after the incubator program ended, mainly because they didn't get enough funding or they didn't get funded to build their prototype or to validate their business idea. So the idea was looking at, I, I normally like learning from other you know, people. So looking at other ecosystem like Accra, Kumase, and the other regions, you realize there were a lot of startups that were created or better out of incubator programs. But majority of them are nowhere to be found now, mainly because there wasn't funding available for them to survive. And starting iCode at a green area, when I say green, I meant that I started iCode in a region where there wasn't any innovation hub. There wasn't anybody who understood the concept of innovation hub. Like the people that don't really even know what tech is about, don't really know what startup is about, to a level where now they tend to appreciate, you know, what a startup is, what innovation and what technology is. And um, you wouldn't want that same situation that happened in other ecosystems to repeat itself. So we established I, um, um, Westage Capital to make sure that we have available funding to fund early stage businesses that will be bettered out of innovation activities that will be happening in the region. Because we also believe that we could mobilize funding within our local community rather than depending on external bodies or external parties who then determine where the funding goes as well. Yeah. What are some of your biggest milestones to date? One of my proudest milestones, starting I code, where there wasn't any interest from development organizations like the GIZ, AFD, AFDB and Co, right? Who didn't really have interest in running activities or operations within my region because they had an idea that there wasn't any activity going on in Takrati or in the region. So they don't normally come there. When they open for opportunities for entrepreneurs, youth who want to be entrepreneurs, the support goes to just one region. So starting I code and getting that attention from these organizations, and now they want to even set up branch offices in Western region. I believe that it's one of the biggest milestones. Attracting these sort of development organizations also boosts the local economy and boosts the support system within within Takradia. So because we we started out of a community where everybody literally looked out of the community for greener pastures. So we had a lot of rural urban migration. So now that we have talent being retained within the region and to the point that now people within other regions want to even extend their operations to Takrade, mainly because of the ecosystem that we developed. So in Takrade, I'm known as the convener of the startup ecosystem. What are some of the challenges that you have faced in building the various businesses? One of my biggest challenges as an entrepreneur or as a businessman is, I think, issues with structures and then dealing with um, the right talent of people that you need to do the work for you. 
So growing up, you know, when you're bootstrapping as an entrepreneur, you don't really have the mat, uh, the amount of money you need to hire the right person. So you end up training people from scratch to get to know what exactly and how you want them to do it. And that has been my challenge over and over and managing people as well. Because we entrepreneurs, we're like hustlers. We don't literally have everything on the get-go, right? We, we learn by doing it and doing it over and over to perfect what we do. We don't really have everything offhand to say, we know this, we know how to do this, we know how to do this. So we do it as, as, as and when we need it. Or we do it just as we keep going forward. And that has been the challenge so far because uh, you, you build a company to a level where now you need to build structures, you need to have board of directors, you need to have, you know, the governing council, you need to have certain policy documents and all that. These have been the challenges that I've gone through. But then in, in as much as you face these challenges, you overcome them by doing it. And uh, the more you overcome the challenges in entrepreneurship, challenges never end. You solve this problem today, the next big thing comes and it's way bigger than what you've already solved. So um, that, that has been my challenge so far. And I think one pressing challenge that I can also talk about is exposure. Because if, um, if I have a lot of exposure on what I need to do, on what I need to know, I, I believe that it would, it would skyrocket me. And uh, you know, exposure comes with, it, it costs for exposure as well. And you don't want to trade your working capital to just, you know, traveling around, learning from other people and all that. Yes, that time will come, but then it happens, you know, in paces. And that has been the challenge so far. One of the biggest is exposure. Any changes you would like to see in your sector? So, so I think what, what would change me or would help me is um, when there is enough um, support, especially from the government and then from the private sector. So, for, for instance, in Ghana, the banks are very scared or keen when it comes to giving credit to um, entrepreneurs, especially at the early stages, which is quite difficult. They make huge sums of requirement that you need to meet. So if we have a system where entrepreneurs can go in for credit with low level of requirements, I believe it would help we entrepreneurs and business people because um, uh, we work with the OPM strategy, you know, other people's money strategy, and that's how businesses are built. So we have access to, you know, other people's money that we can build resiliency with. I believe that it would it would help us a lot because I'm sitting here now and then I need close to about um, about 100,000 Ghana cities, right, to to buy raw materials, to buy machinery for my farm, right? If I have access to such capital at ease, I believe it would help me. Then, you know, at least I could create more employment from that side as well. So I, I believe, yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're, we're still trying to, you know, um, talk to some few people. The government is also helping. Currently, the government is supporting agribusinesses. Huge, 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 huge support. Through other initiatives as well, I, I think the Ghanaian ecosystem is thriving small, small. Yeah. What are your future expansion plans? So coming to Uganda, I'm thinking of, you know, starting a software company in Uganda. Because I realized also in Uganda, there's a, there's a need for tech. 
it's it's a good opportunity when businesses want to be tech uh, enabled. That is a good opportunity for developers like me as well. So I'm thinking of starting a, a tech company here. Beyond Uganda, I'm thinking of Kenya and Cote d'Ivoire. Cote d'Ivoire because I visit Cote d'Ivoire about uh, more than three times and learning about some commodities that is on high demand there. I'm thinking of starting a business there as well. And obviously the proximity of moving from Ghana to Cote d'Ivoire is also, you know, very close. It's quite easy for me to do that. And yeah, I think so far, yeah, I'm not thinking abroad. I'm just thinking of Ghana or, or Africa. Yeah. So Uganda, Kenya and Cote d'Ivoire. What does the future look like for Prince Bonnie? I, I want to be a big businessman with huge, you know, fleet of company cars, you know, with a, with a long list of, you know, labor force that you'd have to pay every month. I enjoy, you know, hiring people. I enjoy working with people. And I'd, I'd want in the next five years, I'm looking at building my own, you know, headquarters of, you know, businesses and offices where I would be dealing with a lot of business issues. And that is where I, I see myself in the next five years. In the next five years, I want to make sure that all my businesses that I've started have attained profits. That was Prince Bonnie, CEO of iCode. And a quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. Remittances to Sub-Saharan Africa grew 14% to $49 billion in 2021, the strongest gain since 2018, even as the continent remained the costliest developing region to send money. According to the latest World Bank Migration and Development Brief dated May 2022, Aggregate regional remittance costs averaged 7.8% between October and December last year. The average cost of remitting $200 from countries in the least expensive corridors amounted to 3.4%, while costs from the most expensive corridors registered 31.5% during the same period, an increase of 12.3% from the year earlier. A report titled A War in the Pandemic, Implications of the Ukraine Crisis and COVID-19 on Global Governance of Migration and Remittance Flows notes that though Interregional migrants in Africa comprise more than 70% of all international migration. Remittance costs are high due to small quantities of formal flows and use of black market exchange rates. The fee for sending $200 in remittances from Tanzania to Uganda, for example, costs about 29.7% of the transaction value. The report, however, shows that the continent recorded strong growth in remittances in 2021, largely as a result of a firm pace of economic activity in Europe and the U.S., although facing rising headwinds from inflation, tight distortions in the supply chains and surging commodity prices. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K-Financial. If you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K-Financial and you can find me at With the Dong.